0: I think we really never really thought about, you know, like how we're we going to make money. It's just like we thought that we need to, right, at some point, but we didn't think about specifics. But yeah, at some point later, we started to use these early adopters to understand opportunities to create
1: enterprise value. This is Contributor, a podcast telling the stories behind the best open source projects and the communities that make them. I'm Eric Anderson. We welcome Artyom Kadenev of Cube on the show with us today. Cube is this exciting layer in uh, the modern data stack. What's exciting to me in part is just the reaction from the market. Bunch of GitHub stars, bunch of community. So thanks for joining us today, Artyom. Yeah, Eric, thank you for having me. As we always do, help our listeners understand what Cube is.
0: Yeah, Cube started as an open source project, but I think essentially as a as a product for data engineers to help to expose data to different data applications and different data experiences. What we saw happening in the tech stack is that all the data goes into data warehouses right now, and that's just will only will keep going. We'll have more and more data in the data warehouses on one end, but also on the other end we have more and more data consumers that require different diverse data applications and different. Data experiences basically. So we have more data, but we also have a huge demand for this data to be used across different applications. And what Kube does actually, it creates a bridge between these two worlds. Like it takes data from the data warehouses into all of these different data experiences, data applications. So if you wanted to build customer facing analytics or internal tools or just use multiple BIs consistently, Kube can bring the data to all of these places and provide access control security caching all of that things we started as an open source project about three years ago and it's been a lot
1: of fun to see so many different creative use cases how people are using Cube. awesome i had kind of an aha moment when we talked about the project recently you know i think semantic layer doesn't mean a lot to some people but if you're embedding visualizations in a product, exposing it to customers, the normal access control that comes with data warehouses don't work. And so at a minimum, you kind of need new access control. And also, you know, data warehouses can be expensive. And so if you're running the same queries or they're seeing a lot of viewers, you probably want faster queries than what data warehouse is going to give you. You want some caching, that makes sense to me too. And that seems like the right layer. And basically, from there, everything else kind of makes sense. You need data modeling in order to construct this thing for outside consumption. so while all the individual pieces kind of make sense, that's where I kind of realized that you're the right place for all these different components and and they kind of na- neatly fit together, even though it wasn't obvious to me from the outset. Is that your experience with the market or or are people like, "Ooh, I, I definitely know what a semantic layer is, and I need one It depends you
0: know like uh some of the some of our users they they
1: come to Kube and they
0: like that's a semantic layer, I need semantic layer, cube is a semantic layer, I want to use it to power all of my different applications. Sometimes people it's like trying to having a hard time to find a good name. What is Cube, right? Like as you said, it does caching, data model, access control, and then has a bunch of APIs and people are like trying to find words to describe it. Sometimes we hear words middleware. It sounds a little bit, you know, like old school, but Maybe, you know, like it technically it's correct, right? Because we see it in, in between the warehouses and applications. So but yeah, I think it's been interesting to see how, you know, like people try to use different words to describe cube, especially initially. I think lately we started and keep hearing more and more semantic layer as a definition of the cube. Yep.
1: Perfect. Now tell us the story. This is the part I, I most enjoy. How did you stumble into this? Is this something you've been working on for a while, more recently? And what's the background that led you here? Yeah, it's all started with uh, with a product called Statsbot, and Statsbot was my
0: like a side project, hobby project uh, at my at my last company. An idea was, what if we get data from different places and to just put it into Slack because we used Slack a lot, and I wanted to have all my data in Slack, you know, from production databases, from New Relic, or like. Salesforce, all of this data sort of merged union together and presented in Slack. So we built a Slack application. And it was initially only a hobby project, but then it started to grow and you know like people started to use it. And Slack featured us on a Slack application directory, if you remember the days when they launched it. So got a lot of users in, a lot of people, you know, like were excited about using Statsbot. My co-founder now—he was one of the first users, so he started to use it, and then he texted me and uh, had this Ruby on Rails application that was running Statsbot, and you know, like it started to have a lot of outages, and I I just told him like, "Can you please help me just to run the servers and like managing that?" And he he jumped in, and him and I we, we just kept going and working on that, uh, and then uh, we we started to see some venture. We see people kind of reaching out to us, like wanted to fund that project, and we ended up raising a small seed round for that stats bot as a project. We raised from Anya Ventures, a really great people, the, the VC firm out of New York, and uh, we we kept going on the, working on this, but over time what we realized is that we built something very valuable for Statsbot internally, and that was Cube because we needed the engine that would work on the data from sort of different places and then kind of be able to present this data to different places again, right? Because the architecture we were using, we were like doing ETL of the data from different places, putting it into warehouse and then running uh, this cube engine on top of the warehouse and then presenting data to the Slack. But we also had a vision to present data to different places outside Slack too. That's why we built it sort of to scale initially. So when we built Kube, we had few users that were like very active StatsBot users. They wanted to dig deeper and to have more controls of the StatsBot and we exposed Kube to them. And when they saw that, they were like, can we use that internally to power our applications? And we were like, that sounds like a good use case. And so we started to think about that more and more and then uh, we had this crazy idea we we're all playing ping pong in the office and like with, with my co-founder like what if we open source cube and just like see how people's going to use that i we just you know like started to talk more and more about this idea you know like convincing ourselves that maybe we should give it a try and then we Decided to do that. We open sourced Cube. Uh, it was very different from what it is right now. So uh, it was very like early, you know, like not very, you know, like matured and very well packaged. But people started to use it, and uh, maybe like a three, four months after we open sourced, we started to see contributions. We started to see users. Uh, I remember we have this like thing where we we put a sort of you know like a target of ten. Companies that actually will deploy it into production. And that's when we're going to believe that's a real thing. And we were counting these companies. And uh, at some point, we were like, yeah, we have 10 companies that actually deployed Cube. And then that was sort of, you know, like a pivotal moment that we realized that probably we need to focus on the Cube full time. And then we kind of changed that. We sunsetted the stats bot and then we fully focused on Cube.
1: Artyom, right, great story. You know, as you're playing ping pong and deciding whether to open source something, do you feel like you need to ask your investors about? I, I suppose it's not really part of the product. It's just like this internal layer that you had to built to to ship the product. What goes into the decision to open source? Is that a lot of work? Yeah, so... Uh...
0: I think when we were playing ping pong, like it was like when the idea came first, and then we started to nurture that idea internally. Like we only had ENIAC as an investor, so we didn't have you know like a formal board or something. So, but we, we spoke with uh, with a partner from ENIAC, just kind of you know like bouncing the idea. So maybe we should just try that, and you know like, and they were very supportive. And then you know like as we we started to think about the strategy, how we would open source it, we decided that we wanted to do it in stages. So that we, I think it took like a three months or so really to fully open source it because we first open sourced one piece and then we open source a second and third. And so it was just like a do it because it was really kind of not, not really hard but it was kind of a lot of work to take it out of the existing product and in a package as a standalone thing, right? So it took us some time to, to finally open source it. But I think the first thing we did, we just like Created an organization
1: and a repo and a GitHub to make sure that the name is going to be ours. And then, speaking of the name, so you started out with Statsbot. Does Cube harken back to the BI cubes that we're all familiar with? Yeah, it was called Cube.js even. So now
0: we call out. and the reason why we call it Cube.js is actually one of the first users called it this way remember I told you about this power users that we started to expose this you know, like configuration layer and because we didn't have a name for that, it was like purely internal thing. I think we had some internal name, I don't even remember, but we, it was not called cube. And uh, one of these users, they asked us something like, hey, how can I do this in cube.js? And we were like, okay. Like they call it this way, so let's just keep it that. And the reason why they use that probably because like in a data modeling layer for cube, you operate on cubes, basically. You create cubes and then you put measures in cubes, you put dimensions in cubes, then you build relationship between cubes and you need to write the code and in a code you call it a cube. And then the code was in JavaScript. Now we support YAML definitions too, but back then it was only JavaScript. So it's kind of you know like kube.js was a very natural way to to describe that. So that's how the name came. Awesome.
1: So you open source it in parts, it sounds like, and at some point you get all these users and the, uh, GitHub stars and a community. How, how did you get there? What what was the kind of early successes?
0: Yeah, when uh, when my co-founder and I we started to work on that, we are both engineers, but we decided that his role is going to be more like talking to existing and users who are trying right now Cube just to understand what are the patterns of the usage, you know, what are the problems they're trying to solve, how they are solving these problems, and just kind of changing the product and then again talking to them changing the product talking to them and my job was to do like you know like how we get these people in <laughs> so how people would, would learn about cube so what i did is i started to do do a little bit blogs about you know like how you solve specific problem with specific stack you know, like with Cube. And I just started to post it on Reddit, different places, hacker news, all of that stuff. And that's how the initial things, you know, it kicked off. So we created a Slack instance. And uh, idea was that we need to dump, fuel every traffic into Slack. So everyone needs to go into Slack. So my co-founder can actually talk to these people. Now my job was bringing people to Slack. His job was talking to these people. And then the goal of that process was to get to the stand production
1: uh, users, eventually. Awesome. Sounds like a, a dynamic duo. And then the ten users um, at this point—it's—it's it's all you know. You're not you're not charging them for anything. It's all open source. But but um, presumably that's on the the kind of horizon for you. as you're trying to figure out well if it, you know if we're going to build a business here, how do we do that? And is that a conversation you have with some of your early users? You know, no, not really. Yeah, I think we we kind of always. You know, like thinking
0: about that because we thought that we probably eventually wanted to have a business around that, right? Like a product that we can sell. But especially before we had this ten users, I think we really never really thought about, you know, like how we're going to make money. It was just like we thought that we need to, right, at some point, but we didn't. We didn't uh, think about specifics. But yeah, at some point later, you know, like once we got more users, after we raised uh, our seed and then Series A, we started to use this early adopters to understand the problems. And I think, you know, like it was mostly not asking them directly, but just observing their journey to the production and then seeing them successful is like, what issue they have. They have observability, tracing, debugging issues. Okay, we probably can build tools to help them do this, right? Then they like, they wanted more visibility into cache. We probably can build that as a, you know, like an enterprise feature, like a UI or something for the cache. So we were like more observing and trying to understand that and like, what is the missing features? What are the the challenges to deploy Kube into production? And where like, for us opportunities to create enterprise value.
1: You mentioned something at the beginning, and I, I kind of want to transition a bit to understanding more how the product works that, that you are stitching together a bunch of different data sources into a, in a single visualization. Do I, do I stitch them together into my data warehouse and then bring my data warehouse now all uniform, one data source to Cube? Or does Cube help me aggregate data as well from different sources?
0: Yeah, um, I don't think about Cube as a federation engine, so uh, we w- we don't want to try to replace Trino or something. So we can connect to multiple data sources, and uh, we also can because we ha- we have a caching layer, so we can merge data on the caching layer. So we kind of technically can merge uh, with some restrictions. We can merge data from different data sources on a caching level, but at the same time, I wouldn't think about Cube as a as a federation engine. And frankly, I believe that warehouses is going to be the major place that organizations going to store data. It may be a couple of them, but I don't think that, you know, like uh, we will deal with hundreds of different data sources. I think ETL products are getting better and many, many companies are using them to basically pull the data into into the data warehouses right
1: now. And I envision Cube sitting on top of data warehouses. Perfect. And then the other half of your kind of the front end of your stack, I guess, is that someone chooses a, a, their own custom data viz layer right uh, that's not something you provide and and so what what are the typical things people are doing and and i presume that they're even making that choice before they make the choice on you they pick a ui layer they pick the data warehouse and then they realize they need something in between right right that's a very common story that's actually the story i was using when i was telling about
0: Cube initial is in in all of these blog posts i was doing like the blog post now you have snowflake and you have a react and how do you actually build application right and then it was like about a cube in the middle obviously yeah i mean uh, a lot of our customers they build from scratch uh, on the visualization side so they use react as sort of the most popular front-end framework right now a lot of different libraries it's a really you know like it's really like fragmented market like for like open source visualizations there are also high charts which is not like it's commercial backed which is good ones. there's like a char.js or is it like a 3 D3GS, which is gives you a little bit more low level power. So we see a lot of this, there are like some react specifics, like recharts. Some of our customers, they also use out of the box tools on top of cube, like superset, metabase, uh, observable, and some other notebooks. So that's an option too. But we do see a lot of sort of, you know, like a react GS style
1: stacks. Now, I guess once once you choose your front end, you choose Cube, and you got the data warehouse, you kind of have a full stack for for doing a, a data application. There's other ways of building data apps today, Streamlit or or those types of tools. Are are they are they are they kind of a full stack version of of what you do, or are there reasons to choose one or the other?
0: Yeah, I think Streamlit is a good example. I think it's sweet spot in you know you, you can run streamlit on top of your data warehouse and maybe soon only on snowflake i, I don't know how that's going to play out but uh I think it's good for this like sort of one-pager simple applications that's probably going to be used by a single person or single role because there is no a lot of like a security access control built in. So I think the great good example could be if you wanted to build a simple internal tool or maybe you're working on some data set and you want to present it into more like a dynamic way rather than just like building slides right or like a static dashboard. That could be probably great choice, but if you wanted to build uh, embedded analytics in customer-facing inside your application, maybe you're building a software as a service, right? And you need insights page or like some you know like analytics features in the product. The Streamlit could not be a good choice because it's like how do you embed it? You probably need to make it a part of your front-end tech stack, right? And then you need to deal with access control, security, and then you need to bring a caching. So I think, you know, like it's just like a use case uh, wise, it's a little bit different from what we serve in versus what Streamlit. But at the same time, I mean, if you wanted to run StreamLead with superset, with Metabase, and sort of having a semantic layers that unifies, you know, like a data across all of these tools, you can run
1: them all on queue. Ah, I see. Okay, so it can, it can be complementary. That's great. So when when did you feel like wow we're really onto something? Um, you know you, you got through these ten users, but now you're kind of screaming as far as adoption and, and community goes.
0: Yeah, I think really the first moment we were like we felt that we are onto something was when we got ten users. So that's when we really you know, and it was like I think we had maybe really like thousand to maybe five hundred people in Slack. But, you know, like you're getting first people in Slack and community and then they need to progress, they need to deploy, they need to build something, and then you only get 10 users because it takes time for them, you know. But, so it uh, it took a little bit of time, maybe like a three, four months, once we we saw the first 10 users, and that was great. And I think after that, we started to be more active, we, you know, like, just talking about CUBE and then it, it led to getting more people on top of the funnel and just get awareness of the CUBE, more stars, more Slack communities, and, uh, and then eventually more uh, production users. But the really the moment, aha moment with this first 10 users.
1: You said your job was to find more users, and part of the, how you did that was blog posts. Are there other things that you kind of figure out, oh, this, this is actually the best way to, to find the people we're looking for, the people who most like CUBE? Well. We
0: started with, with the COVID, right? And I think we really first open source Kube in twenty nineteen before COVID, but I was doing, you know, like blogging, all of that content, as I said. And then by twenty twenty, when COVID started, that was the question for me, like what I do next, right? And then COVID happened, it was like I'm I'm not going to do events probably. So uh, and so I decided just to keep doing content. And that's when we raised our seed round already. So we we brought a devrel who helped me, you know, like to build different cool applications examples. But we really doubled down on the content and just you know like keep focusing
1: that. I, I thought you were going to say that you were doing a bunch of kind of COVID data because I mean everyone became like a standard during COVID. Like we were all we, 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 we were did all that, looking yeah. at charts every morning. <laughs> yeah that was that was one of those like example
0: cool projects that our devrel person built um i it was a
1: little a like, too noisy i mean like I think it got some traction but you know like everyone was was building them right I feel like I, we all discovered like five different websites every day that were gonna give us COVID data wonderful where and where are you at now r d m tell us um you know as folks are listening to this interview and they they get excited about cube what do they have in store for the next year or so and what are ways they can get get involved and contribute so I think Cube really you know like uh, matured over the
0: three years so it's a, it's a different product now that it was three years ago, and we got a lot of contributors so and that's really great to have all these linear people contributing to Kube and many core features being contributed from external contributors. One one good example is a GraphQL API. When Kube started, we only had a REST API, but then GraphQL API being contributed, you know, like from the community. Now we maintain it from the core team, of course, because it becomes a really important feature, but it, it was contributed initially as a as a community contribution. We also got a lot of drivers contribute like connectors to different databases right and data sources been contributed by community so i would say that's that's area you know like where we 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 saw a lot of help and how people got involved but also our slack is just like it's it's fun to see how people are helping each other right so that's that's been a big contribution area as well in the surface and now cube Cube is an open source we don't call ourselves kube.js anymore because we we don't only serve JavaScript community, but we try to serve more like a data engineers community and we support other languages rather than JavaScript for configuration. So, um, yeah, you know, like uh, we have a cloud product, so I definitely would love, you know, like people to try it out if they feel like contributing. Contributions are always welcome and just giving us feedback and, you know, like providing some guidance in the
1: community is always great. Getting a a meaningful contribution like the GraphQL API is a real... Slam dunk. I, is that something where somebody just shows up with a PR one day, or or do they engage with you and ask yeah. you know, what you need? And they engaged. Yeah,
0: that's been you know, a. We have a, in our Slack channel. We have a channel for the contributions. So it's been a lot of conversations. And it, to be honest, it's been like very overdue. So on our end, we just were focusing on other things. Many people they wanted GraphQL, but you know, like
1: one person they just did it. So you know, like many many <laughs> asked, but waiting. someone did. Good. Congrats on a, an awesome project that's found um, a foothold in the community. Hopefully we can uh, watch this grow and then we reconnect here and uh, do a follow-on episode, hear the update. Awesome, yeah, I would love that. Thank you for having me today. You can subscribe to the podcast and check out our community Slack and newsletter at contributor.fyi. If you like the show, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Eric Anderson, and this has been Contributor.